So I wonder if you've ever started a project either at home or at your job and you, in your mind, set aside a certain amount of hours thinking it would take so much time, only to find that to do justice to the project was going to take much more time than anticipated. So we are, uh, we're in a series, in the middle of a series of messages called uh, Jesus in His Own Words. And my original intention with this series of messages was to spend about six weeks in, in Jesus' words from the gospel up until Lent, which is like the second week of February. And then we would have a new series for Lent, and then when Lent was over, another one in, until summer. And, and I realized that Six weeks in the words of Jesus just isn't enough. I mean, the foundation of our faith is the words of our founder, our leader, our savior, our Messiah. And so I decided to call an audible. And, you know, I, I, I was thinking about it and praying, just thinking, what do we do here? And I, I think we're just going to spend time in the words of Jesus till I think around June-ish or so. I'm serious. No, for real. And here's why. Okay, we can clap. Okay, that's good. I heard, I heard, I heard a startling statistic just this last week that made this a bit more real for me. I was listening to a podcast. It was a fairly reliable source, and they were discussing a survey that was taken of Americans and they asked two questions. The first question they asked is, do you, do you consider yourself a Christian? And 67% of Americans said, yes, I consider myself a Christian. Which, those numbers are going down, but, you know, still a fairly strong representation, 67%. But then they asked a second question. And the question they asked was, do you actually live your life based on the words of Christ. And the number went from 67% to 4%, which is a, a, a startling number, really, since the Christian faith is founded in this one called Jesus. So today we turn our attention to Matthew chapter 7. Jesus is bringing to a close the Sermon uh, on the Mount. Over the course of my marriage to my wife, Rebecca, uh, we've been married 27 years. I, she, knows, she won't know either. I mean, we, we're not good at keeping track of those things. It's, it's, every day is like an anniversary to her. I mean, being married to me. So. <laughs> this is going downhill fast. It's a good thing she came to church last night. So we've been married for 27 years, and over those years we, my wife and I have owned three homes. Uh, we moved it a few times. Our first home was in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Our second home was in Fountain, Colorado. And then our uh, third home, the one we've lived in for 14 years, is in the great metropolitan of Slinger, uh, which we love, love Slinger. And all, all three of the homes that we've owned have been new builds. Not because we needed a new home, but because the markets at the time made it cheaper to buy a new home, so we, so we did. And there's a lot, of, a lot of exciting things about having a new home built. You get to pick 
um, the colors. You get to pick the flooring and the cabinets and the, the countertops. Ours were all track homes, so we were limited. But there's a lot of excitement there. The one thing, however, we didn't really pay much attention to was the foundation. I mean, when it went in, we were excited because we knew the, the building process was starting, but we didn't go daily to check on the progress of the foundation, which is ironic because the foundation is arguably the most important part of the home because the foundation stabilizes and brings structural integrity to the building. This weekend, as we consider once again the words of Jesus, Jesus will use the metaphor of home building to talk about the structural integrity of our life. Jesus will use laying a good foundation to speak about inner integrity, which leads to outer stability. Now, I think, if we're honest with ourselves, we all want Uh, some semblance of of stability in our life. I know that there are a few weirdos out there that love spontaneity. I mean, there are some that just like to to just go with the flow of things. I I read a book a couple years ago. It was fascinating. It was the story, the real-life account, of a young guy who was trying to find himself. And so he chose to ride a 10-speed bicycle, not a motorcycle, a bicycle from Northern California to Patagonia, Argentina. Like, that's a long bike ride. And he would bring a hammock and he would just kind of find a place on the side of the road each night and and camp. It took like two years. Can you imagine? That's the kind of spontaneity I will never know. Because I want stability. If we describe someone as unstable, or if someone describes you as unstable, that's never a good thing, right? So what is it then that brings us stability? Some would say, well, if I have certain relationships that are right, if my marriage is good, if this friendship is good, if things are good with my parents, then, then I feel stable. For, for others of us, stability is found in our vocation. If I have a steady job that I know I'm not going to get laid off at, that offers some sense of, of progression, uh, then I'll feel, I'll feel stable. Others of us would define stability by the dollar amount in our 401k or our savings account. If I can just get to this number, then I'll feel, feel stable. Others of us, we find stability in going to our annual physical and knowing everything checks out again. Whew, stable for another year. Yet all of those things are actually temporary Things that could change at any time, often happening outside of our control. When Jesus speaks of stability, Jesus is speaking in language that's a bit more internal. Jesus is going to say to us today that that outward stability actually begins with inward integrity. Matthew chapter 7, as Jesus wraps up the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus uses a few parables, three parables in fact. And in these parables, Jesus is increasing the intensity of his teaching. Jesus gets a bit more challenging and confrontational in these last verses of the Sermon on the Mount. And the parables that he uses 
contrast those that are his followers with those that are not. And he begins first with the metaphor of a gate. Verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7. Enter by the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter by it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Then Jesus moves from speaking about gates to talking about trees, verse 17. So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits or by their actions. And then he concludes speaking about the building of homes. Verse 24, therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who builds his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching, because he taught as one who had authority and not as the teachers of the law. It seems to me that Jesus was saying that if I choose to build my house on the wrong foundation or look for stability in the wrong place, everything will eventually collapse. And so Jesus offers us a priority. Spend time in our life digging a good foundation. Now, now as Jesus gives this sermon, there would have been some thoughts that would have come into the minds of those who were hearing him speak. They would have been thinking about what it meant to build a house in first century Israel, in first century Palestine, particularly the area of Galilee. The, the area surrounding the Sea of Galilee uh, was surrounded by sandy soil. Uh, most, most of it was hard packed because much of the year was, was dry in, in that part of the country. And so the, the, the ground would feel firm, but it was actually a sandy, a sandy soil. In order to get to bedrock, one would often have to dig upwards of 10 to 15 feet by hand. I mean, we're, there's no backhoes, right? There's a guy with a shovel. And you're digging the foundation for your home. And in order to get past the sandy soil to the stability of the bedrock, you had to dig deep. And so Jesus is using this metaphor, this parable, to talk about building the foundation of your life. And he speaks in very simple terms and in very simple language. It seems to be that Jesus is saying there's, there's two simple steps to building a good foundation for your life. The first is hearing his words. Whoever hears these words of mine. That word hear is a reference to discipleship. Jesus was considered a rabbi. Rabbis called disciples or students who would hear their words, who would 
give their teacher their undivided attention, disciples would ask good questions with the intent of understanding, and they would think deeply about what it is their teacher or their rabbi was saying. We are all disciples of someone. We are all disciples of of something. We may not use that language, but we're all students of someone. It could be that we're students of the morning talk show host that we listen to religiously each day. Or maybe we're students of the network news channel that is always on in our home. Or maybe we're the students of a social media influencer that we believe every word that drips from their mouth. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you're a student of Taylor Swift. She seems to be rather popular these days. I don't know, we're all students or disciples of someone. Jesus says, if you want to build a solid foundation for your life, begin with with my words. Slow down and hear what it is that I have to say. Which is difficult because we don't like to slow down. We like everything immediately, fast. We want it now. So much so that the cardiologist Meyer Friedman coined a term, hurry sickness, which is defined as the persistent sense of urgency and chronic rushing that leads to anxiety. I know that I bring this hurry sickness into my own spiritual life. I'll call it a a rushed spirituality doing some things to to feel better about myself, like showing up at church once in a while or getting out the daily bread devotional so I at least get a little bit of, of God in me. And I'll just, if I just do that, then maybe, maybe everything will be okay. It is, however, difficult to have a deep spiritual life when I'm constantly rushing. Which begs the question, what is it then that I'm rushing towards? I want to have a good life, a full life. I'm chasing the American dream. I've got to hustle. Is it possible, however, that the pursuit of this ideal is destabilizing our soul, our inner life? Hear the words of Jesus and secondly, put them into practice. Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. I love to sit in the front office of my house and watch storms, whether it's a heavy rainstorm, heavy snowstorm, there is something tranquil about it. I have this recliner chair, my dog is always at my feet, because you know it's a good day when the dog's at your feet. You're just, the dogs are, they just are, they're good listeners, and it's just, the storm, it's just very peaceful. The reason I can watch a storm in peace is because I know my home has structural integrity. It's not going to blow over. I might feel different, however, if I were watching the storm from a tent. There's a large difference. The topography of Israel, particularly the Sea of Galilee where Jesus gave this sermon, 
was a topography that was that was ripe, was perfect for changing weather patterns. The Sea of Galilee sits below sea level. It's surrounded by mountains. And so it happened often that a big storm would, would kick up because of the topography of the land. And those dry ravines, those sandy ravines that seemed hard and stable would flood. And if a home was not secure on the foundation of a bedrock, of the bedrock, it could be washed away, which did happen. So Jesus says the wise person, the person with good judgment and common sense, takes the time to build their house on the rock because the weather is always changing. In the weather of our life, it's always changing. And so what Jesus seems to be saying is that outward stability begins with inner integrity. And inner integrity happens when I hear the words of Christ and put them into practice. That's what leads to spiritual depth. Every once in a while I have a conversation with an individual and they'll say something to me along the lines. You know, Pastor Mike, I just want to go deeper in my faith. I have conversations with pastors in our area. I'm friends with a lot of the bigger churches around here, the pastors, and you know, we share stories, and one pastor might say, you know, you know, Mike, this family left our church, and they went to your church because they just want to go deeper, and, they, and I'm like, what does that even mean, go deep? It reminds me of a story. A few years ago, I was in Florida, Fort Myers, and my family was all there, and my youngest brother, I have two, two brothers, I'm the oldest, my youngest brother's eight years younger than me, and he is the adventurous one of the three of us. My, me and my middle brother were boring, but he's the, he's the adventurer guy. So if there's going to be adventure, he's involved. And so he decides we're not going to just sit around on the lanai and look at palm trees. We're going to go snorkeling. So I said, all right. So we drive down to the Florida Keys, which is a couple hours. And uh, that particular day that he chartered this boat, it was like 66 degrees outside, which is too cold for me to jump in the ocean. But I'm a team player. So we got there, and as we go to get on the boat, I saw that they were offering the rental of wetsuits for five bucks. Now, I don't, I don't typically like to wear things that other people have worn. It's my own problem. I get it. But that day, I was willing to make an exception because it was cold. So I put the wetsuit on, and uh, we go out on this, this boat, this pontoon boat. We go out three miles to this, this natural reef. And it's beautiful, really. I mean, if you, if you like the water... The oceans off the coast of Florida, they're gorgeous. There is just something about, about it. However, what is below the surface of the water is much more spectacular than what you see above the water. So we get out to this reef. The driver takes us, the boat, I guess captain, the captain of the boat, is the driver of a pontoon boat, a captain, I don't, I don't know. But he takes us out. And that's as far as he could take us. In order to, to see what was below, I had to jump in for myself. Like he wasn't going to throw me in or push me or he wasn't going to go in with me. I had to go in for myself. And when I dove in, what I saw was magical. There comes a point in our life of faith in which we have to jump in for ourselves. Oh, I, I've heard people say to me, almost in an accusatory tone, 
you know, Pastor Mike, I'm just not growing in my faith, implying it's my fault. To which I say, you know, at it, it's, it's some point, I mean, there's no other way to say it, but, but at some point, if you're not growing in your faith, it's your own fault. Like, I can only take you so far, and I am committed to taking you as far as I can go. I am deeply passionate about serving you. But at some point, we all have to jump in for ourselves. And it seems that Jesus is saying, if you want to experience the true depth of the Christian life, hear my words, create space to hear my words, and then put them into practice. Because the failure to take seriously the words of Jesus ends with collapse, verse 26. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice, it's like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. So we're back now to, to the building of a home. If I don't take the time to be, dig past the sand to the bedrock, there's going to be a collapse. To which we would ask, why would anyone ever then choose to build their house on the sand? Was well, is easier. You don't have to work as hard. You don't have to dig as deep. That is the implication. That's the implication of the message. I mean, sand is unstable. You can't just build stuff on sand. I went hiking years ago when I lived in Colorado. I hiked Pikes Peak, which is a 14,000-foot mountain. This is actually a map of the trail that, that I took. It's 26 miles round trip. It's an elevation of like 7,000 feet. Uh, and when I did it, first of all, I was 20 years younger and 20 pounds lighter. I don't know if I could do it today. Uh, though it was, it, was, it was a hard hike, um, you know, strenuously, it wasn't, it wasn't difficult to walk the trail because the trail was very hard packed. A lot of it was bedrock, and so there was a lot of stability in my footing. So as I hiked it, though it was hard, um, endurance-wise, the trail itself was actually very, very stable. I contrast that with another hike of sorts I took at Sleeping Bear Dunes in, in Michigan. Have you ever, you ever been to Sleeping Bear Dunes? Sleeping Bear Dunes are these sand dunes on Lake Michigan, and Sleeping Bear Dunes are a lot of fun to run down. <laughs> Coming up, however, this is a very different story. Sleeping Bear Dunes, they only, the elevations are like 500 feet off of the water, but it might as well have been 500 miles. Because trying to climb up that sand was, I promise you, it was harder to climb up the 500 feet of that sand dune than it was the 26 miles round trip of Pikes Peak. For one reason and one reason alone the stability of the foundation under my feet. The foundation that we build our life on matters. You may say, well, I I really want to work on my spiritual life, but I just can't find the time. That's the language of sand building. Someone once said, if it's important, I will find a way, and if it's not, I will find an excuse. We have more free time right now than any other period in history. I I mean, think about this. 
I can go home right now after church is over. I can buy all of my groceries, all of the clothing I'll ever need, anything I need for my home, and pay all of my bills online and do it in like an hour and a half. Something that in previous generations would have taken all day to do. We have more time, but I just, if you're like me, I just keep filling it with more and more and more stuff. What I truly believe about myself and life, what I believe about the use of my time, will manifest itself in the practice of real life. Because we all have two sets of beliefs. We have assumed beliefs and we have real beliefs. Assumed beliefs are beliefs that, like, I think I believe them, but when they're put to practice, that might not be true. So, so may, maybe, maybe you decide, like, I, I think it's unhealthy and wrong to eat animals. Like, I'm not going to, I'm going to be a vegetarian. But if I walk into a restaurant and see you eating a porterhouse, I'm not going to believe that you believe that it's wrong to eat animals, Right? If I don't put the words of, I like eating animals, by the way, just clear that up. If, if I don't put Jesus' words into practice when things are sunny and clear, when the weather shifts, things are bound to collapse, and the weather will always shift, Jesus even promised that it would. Sometimes the weather shifts and I say things like, oh, why is this happening? Why is God allowing this to happen? But I turn back to Jesus and Jesus said in his own words, in this world you're going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. But I have overcome the world. To live a stable life, a life that is filled with depth, and growth and deep spirituality, Jesus makes it very simple and quite clear. Hear these words of mine and put them into practice. So this week, I, I want to challenge, challenge you to create some sacred space, some unrushed space, to take the Bible, the Gospels in particular, and really hear the words of Jesus. Many Bibles have the words of Jesus in red print, in red ink. If you have a Bible that doesn't have red print, we've got them in the bookstore. We're selling them at cost, like six, seven or eight bucks. If they run out, put your name on a list. We'll get you one in the next week. We create some sp- sacred space this week to really hear the words of Jesus and then ask for the strength and courage to put them into practice. I'm grateful, oh God, that we have your words, but I also am honest enough to admit that it is hard and I don't always put them into practice. I ask you, oh God, would you give me the courage this week, the strength, the desire to not just read your words, but to truly hear them. And then walk out the door of my home and put them into practice. Thus digging a deep and stable foundation for my life. Because everything else, 
Everything else is shifting sand. Give us that stability we desire, oh God. For you, you are our rock. Amen.